0: Well, it's my privilege today to invite Vince Payne, our missionary to Panama, up to join us. Uh, Vince has been a missionary in Panama for a number of years that I'm sure he'll tell you because I forget those kinds of things. What I love about Vince's mission is that Vince trains local pastors, indigenous to Panama, teaches them what God's word is, how they can teach it to others, and then plants them in villages to train those local people. Places where you and I would find it hard to live and hard to go, they find it hard to go, but they still go and they have committed their lives to taking the good news to literally the ends of the earth, upriver and dugout canoes, hiking through the jungles and taking the gospel with them. So Vince, thank you for reaching the lost through all these pastors and evangelizing them and teaching them what it means to be an example to set before them. So let me pray for you and excited to hear what the Lord's doing. Lord, we thank you for Vince and for Greta and for Brianna and the mission that you've called them to in Panama. We pray that you would give Vince health, that you would give them excitement and joy for the ministry. Lord, that you would be sufficient for them. Lord, that they would know that what you have working in their lives is what you've called them to do and that they would be diligent and perseverant. In what you've called them to. Lord, we pray that you give them not only great fruit in the men that they call and that they train, but you would also give them fruit in their lives, that they would see the good news being worked out for their own salvation, and for those that they come in contact with. We pray that you would give Vince your words this morning, that he would encourage and equip and edify your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Your synopsis was better than my presentation will be, I fear. Thank you. Um, how many people were in Madeira some 16 years ago when Greta and I and Brianna were preparing to go to Panama? Can you raise your hand? I'd like to see that. And how many have been members of this congregation that entire time? Can I see your hand? Wow. And how many have been here as long as Randy Brannan? Is Randy here? Can you raise your hand, Randy? There he is. Um, most people know that I have glaucoma, and it's affected my vision after I, someone gets about 30 feet away or less. Um, you're just a blur, but thank you. This, this congregation has partnered with us from the very beginning of the ministry Randy was our first board member other than me and Greta and was instrumental in starting Panama Mission Foundation incorporating it as a nonprofit here in California and I I owe a great deal to Pastor Randy Brandon he's been uh, a real source of encouragement and strength to me and my family over these many years and we appreciate him and he's one of the heroes of the Lord's kingdom, and precious. Well, um, quick update on my health, and, and let me preface all of this by saying, uh, Pastor Brandon said I could go as long as I want. So, uh, I had a spinal fusion surgery uh, in February, uh, A decompression from C2 to T1, very large section, and then the and and this is one of the effects of it. My my speech, my motor skills, my equilibrium are all thrown off. I have difficulty uh, driving. I have difficulty walking. I have difficulty speaking. The doctor says within a year I ought to feel pretty good. I'm eight months into this. And I think yesterday was the first time that Greta asked, can I drive? And I gave her the keys without arguing. Which means my vision is probably improving a bit. So I I see that uh, I do need some, uh, some assistance. This is going to be probably the image that I use to begin my presentations for the rest of my life until the Lord calls me home. It really captures uh, the picture I have of the people we try to reach out in the rainforest of Panama, and that simple motto, preach, disciple, send, repeat, summarizes the the real direction of our ministry, and again, forgive me, my my speech sometimes goes into a, a pure stutter or a stop, but... God is faithful. And we're in Panama. How many people know where Panama is? Raise your hand. Don't be, don't be ashamed if you don't. The United States is known for having citizens who don't know much about geography. I think we rank 39th in the world of all of the countries of people who know least, the least amount um, of world geography. Uh, in fact... 2010 study, I was hoping I would get to see that up there, uh, conducted by the National Geographic Society indicated that only 6% of US citizens, thank you, could identify where the United States was on a world map. Now that was a 2010 study as, as our education system across the United States has certainly improved over The last 13 years, I'm sure we're doing much, much better these days. And to the defense of the citizens of the United States, like this map, the map that they used didn't have the names of the countries on them, or we would have done much, much better. (laughs) I, I assure you. And so, I'm not mean like the National Geographic Society, and I wanted to use this map to start. It does show where the United States is for we who are uh, not so great at geography. And if you look down at the very bottom of the screen, you see Colombia, and between Colombia and Nicaragua, actually, they've even left out on this map, uh, Costa Rica. Between Colombia and Costa Rica, you get the little country of Panama. In the center, there's Panama City, and you might be able to make out a track that runs north uh, it runs from the north in the Caribbean or the, what we call, it is the Atlantic also. It runs southeast, that's the Panama Canal. And these blue dots are the areas of our primary focus. The first blue dot near Panama City are the urban churches. That'll represent the urban churches. We work with five urban churches to help them in their campaigns and ongoing discipling programs they were already established when we got to Panama and let me again say that these are um these churches are uh, the members are Wounan uh, an indigenous tribe indigenous to Panama and Colombia and one of the seven indigenous tribes of Panama the second blue dot to the right represents where our school is the Bible Institute out in Unión Santana in the district of Chiman. Uh, the next one to the right, uh, near the top, that is in the area of Mimbrio. We have three congregations out there that we're helping in Machpabur, Canaan, and Sinai. We've got uh, three of our current students are from that region, and one of our graduate graduates is pastoring in one of those local. Um, villages there. Uh, The next one down is Rio Tupisa, where one of our graduates, Pastor Tarquino, is working with Pastor Sabayo Piraza, also member of the Wonan tribe, to evangelize the Tupisa River. Uh, the, The one that is down right over where it says Darien National Park, that one is where Pastor Ricardo Mimbache and his wife are evangelizing the Tuita River, if I can remember these names, and the one closest to the coast, and that's actually only about 13 miles from the Colombian border, the one near the coast. That is where Pastor Clemente is working with his wife to evangelize a series of rivers in that area. A little bit closer in this one. This is the building where we conduct studies, uh, built a number of years ago. Most of you who have been here a long time remember seeing this photo, and it's tough to get to. Rainy season, dry season, all time, all the time, it's difficult to get out there. And when we can't get out there over road, we have to take boats, and we share the river with these little guys. And they're so cute when they're little and then they start to grow up and they're less cute and nobody wants, nobody wants to get in the river with them anymore. Nobody wants to hold them or play with them. They say, Vince, you need a bigger boat. (laughs) These were our first graduates. One Latino, uh, one Afro Antillian, and two members of the Wonan tribe. These are the next six graduates, all members of the Wonan tribe. And th- the men to my right, the six men to my right, are members of the Wonan tribe. And they're currently enrolled and are only about a quarter of the way through the curriculum. Uh, my health problems and the pandemic slowed us down quite a bit. The two men to the far left there are graduates who I bring back for each session to help with the teaching and preparing them for the day where I can no longer be there and they will be teaching. And here's just a quick look inside the simple classroom that we have. It is possible that when I go back, Lord willing, in January to resume classes. I will not be able to make it to this location because of my health. I can't go to a place where I'm gonna get jostled around so much at this point. So we may be doing classes closer to the Pan American Highway where it will be much more easily accessed by everyone. And we will continue teaching these six men who the Lord has put under my care. I love them dearly, and I know the Lord has plans for these men to have them trained so that they will be capable of going out, preaching the gospel, and discipling believers, and finding among them their own Timothy, their own Titus, and training them to do the same so that this work that Paul describes in 2 Timothy two two continues. This is two of the Uh, Graduates, Clemente on the right, Angel Miro on the left. These guys are out all the time evangelizing. This is Tarquino and his wife uh, Isidora, champions of the faith, going up and down the rivers all the time, preaching the gospel. This is Pastor Abraham. This next picture, he's with his wife Suida. And sometimes some gringos go out. (laughs) Take a look at this. Well, I don't guess we're gonna get any video on this. I thought we might. Actually had some videos to bore you with of these fellas going up and down river because I have as long as I want. They travel anywhere between three hours to seven hours at this point in the rivers. And the first hours, Fun and it's kind of a novelty for visitors. After the first hour, we have, if the weather is nice, we have people that start dozing off and trying to find comfortable places. If it's hot, they begin to find more clothing to cover up and then it rains intermittently, even in the dry season. In the rainy season, it rains a lot. All to get to villages like this and meet in places like this. Taking the gospel. Every soul is precious. Most of these need no commentary. I'll spoil them if I do. This is actually a house church here. This is how they start. We find one of the bigger homes and we meet in the living room. And the living rooms generally have no walls. If one of the graduates has been in an area a long time and the church is growing, we try to find resources to build a church like these. Tin roof, concrete floor, concrete columns, and usually wooden planks for walls and wooden planks for benches that were cut with a chainsaw from the trees nearby. Uh, Sometimes we get donations for chairs, and we can buy chairs and help so they have more comfortable seating. We've helped build about 10 churches like this that that are more finished. I did not help build this church. This one was there when we came into the area But this pastor was needing a great deal of help, so we've got one of our graduates helping him and teaching him to evangelize, disciple, and train up leaders. When we go into an area that has believers, as my men go out and search through the rainforest, if we come to a village that has believers there, we don't plant another church in the village that winds up as a competing congregation. We offer assistance to the believers that are there. If accepted, one of our graduates will go in and help train whatever leadership they have to bring them along in the faith and help them to become more effective and understand the work uh, of a pastor uh, more clearly. If we go into an area and there is no church whatsoever, we have to meet with the elders, the chief of the village, get permission to evangelize. And that generally only takes a few weeks to get an answer from them. Am I pointing this the wrong direction? Where should I point this? Need a new battery? Oh, did you point it behind me? Oh, it's working, it wasn't working back here. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place then. Okay, that's great, I love this photo. That's Tarquino and Isidora, Uh, the greenish shirt in my view, on the left there with his wife. If uh, one of our graduates is going to stay in a village very long, he's going to need his own place. So we send out a chainsaw and we, Sometimes we'll purchase a chainsaw and send out, and they will cut down trees. Yes, we're cutting down trees in the rainforest. There's no other alternative. And then they will cut these boards, these planks, right from the trees. I think they look pretty great, don't you? Impressive. And this particular house that we built, we found some used tin for the roof. It didn't have many holes in it. Uh, they were patched, and we put together, we, not me, this house. And that's pretty much complete, and that's missionary housing in the rainforest of Panama. This is a more, uh, this, this, these are actually v- photos that I received this week from the area of Membrío where Pastor Abraham Cabezón is pastoring a, a church in the village of Canaan. Really wish you could have seen these guys climbing up here on top of this with a video.
0: Oh. Video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have any audio on that? Construction in the rainforest fellas. How many want to line up and do that kind of work? (laughs) Now, all of the fellows here are working free of charge. They're not coming and saying, what will you pay me to help build the pastor's house? Because they understand the importance of having a trained shepherd in their village and the blessing that they're receiving by rece- by having someone bring them the gospel who's competent to open the word of God and explain it and share with them how awesome a God we serve really is and how amazing is our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we have funds, we try to set up a solar kit on each one of these houses. We need more solar kits. We- if a pastor's in a place for a long time, it may become necessary that he get his own boat and his own outboard motor. And these are little 15-horsepower outboard motors, usually. They're uh, quite fuel-efficient and get them up and, the vill- uh, up and down the river as well. Benevolence. The, the, what we've seen so far is all about spreading the gospel, directly. Benevolence. Now, I had a professor tell me, if you ever use an example, make sure it's long ago and far away so it doesn't affect anyone in the congregation. So I'm going to tell you a brief little story about this word, benevolence. Uh, It's long ago, but it's not so far away. I was pastoring a church here, and I became aware uh, soon that we had something called a deacon's fund, and I didn't know what that was. That That may communicate to you fine and they said oh it's for helping people in need and i said well let's change that to benevolence fund and one of the elders says well no one will know what the word benevolence means so just in case (laughs) a generous act right an act of kindness generous gift sometimes we just do something good for people to show them the love of the lord and we started a few years ago trying to get water to this village of Sinai. It's a beautiful place, and one of our pastors was living out here, and three, three of our students, two of our student, current students live in this village, but they had no water, and people were very sick. And so for, from the donations from the partnering churches in the United States, we bought over four kilometers worth of, uh, of, of this three-inch tubing. And the retail value... In Panama is about twenty thousand dollars, but we got a discount, and it didn't cost us that much. But it was still a big chunk. And all of this tubing had to be taken to the river, and loaded onto these boats, and taken up three and a half hours, offloaded, and then scattered across the jungle. And then trenches opened up, and all of these people working at no with no pay because water is precious and the idea of having water that's clean uh, motivated everyone to work. Now, again, the pandemic, they were not allowed to even leave their villages for for a long period of time. The government in Panama shut them down um, rigidly. It was very strict in Panama, but I got a picture just this week that I want to show you here. It's crazy work. Men and women out there digging, going across these ravines. This is the tubing finally getting into the village this week. Praise God. Sometimes our benevolence doesn't cost so much. But it still changes the quality of people's lives and shows them the love of Christ. This is a precious lady who lives in the village of Belen. And she sends thanks that we bought a wheelchair for her. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Now look at that. That is the same message. Those are the same verses, but in the Wonun language of Wonmeo. Again, here's what it looks like for us, and here's how difficult it is for them. The Wonun had no written language until the 70s, but by 1988, they had a New Testament. And on the cover there, it says, Iwandam Iek, which means God's word. And this is thanks to God and to that tall, slender fellow, Ron Bender, and his wife Kathy, who went out to the village of Arusa in the 70s and spent 10 years among the people with their kids, learning the language, recording the language, and then working with tribal leaders to develop a written language. Up to that point, this tribe, so remote, had only oral tradition. They were so grateful to be able to have the Bible in their own language. I've read that we have about four, over 450 translations in English, and they've got the New Testament. They started to work on the Old Testament, but funding ran out, then interest ran out. But now we picked it up again. The fellow in the red shirt there is Chindio. He worked with Ron Bender in the 70s and 80s to develop the written language and to translate the New Testament into one mayo. And he is the lead of our translation team. Panama Mission Foundation, through the contributions pays the salary of these four translators who works every week, all year round. And they don't have a fancy office. But they've got an objective that merits their involvement. And they don't get much. The, the salary for the three of them together is $1,800 a month. But this is what they want to do. They want the Old Testament in their own language and so they work week after week after week, and they're in the, they're finished with 65 to 70 percent, another 10 percent, 15 percent is in the draft stage. At some point, we're hoping that it will be complete enough that Wycliffe will come in and take over like they did with the New Testament, and they will clean it up, make it look nice, and publish, and that's where it really gets expensive. I want to introduce you to this fellow, though. Not a great photo, but a great man. His name is Ricardo Membache, and this is his wife, Argelida. And this week, they sent me this photo. And it's remarkable that they can send me this photo because they're working just 20, 25 miles from the Colombian border out there in the middle of the rainforest. But one of the cell phone companies in Panama has continued to put towers, repeaters, Along the coast, and they buy a prepaid chip that gives them free WhatsApp. And so he climbed up a hill, climbed up another hill. Every time he's been out there, he's been climbing up hills, and he found a signal. And he was able to send me this photo of them meeting in one of the homes, and his wife is leading singing, and he teaches. And this is just precious they don't have any electricity out there. Pastor Ricardo and Argelida out there, they don't have a solar kit yet, but they love the Lord. Now, Pastor Ricardo used to be a pastor of one of the urban churches where he had electricity and he got ill and couldn't really continue. Had no finances to get well and no prospect of being able to go back into the ministry. But he saw what the graduates from the Bible Institute were doing, going out and planting new churches, searching for new places to preach where the gospel has not been preached. He wanted to be involved. When I became aware of his his health problems, we used funding provided by United States citizens who love the kingdom of God to help nurse him back to health. And he requires regular medical treatment, but he's now one of our strongest team members. He goes out for a month to six weeks to one of these places, and then comes back to a place with a clinic where he can spend a month and and recover and feel good again, and then out they go again, preaching the gospel. Uh, Last year, now he found this village two years ago, on one of these trips. The gospel had never been preached here, ever by anyone. They knew as much about Jesus as you might know about Buddha or Krishna. Now, if if you're a theology student, you know more about those false gods than these people know about Jesus, but they Some of them have heard the name, but they know nothing about the gospel. They know nothing about sin. They know nothing about being separated from God because of that sin and know nothing about the cross and the sacrifice. But we've got people like this who are willing to go out and look for places where people have not heard. Last year, late last year, uh, Ricardo was going down village, just searching and found another village about an hour farther away that has no church and no knowledge of Jesus. So that is, on our, that is now on our radar. It's going to be targeted. This is Ricardo's home and some people in the, vill- in, in the town that, that come to, to visit him and hear the word of God where he lives. Um, in the town of Chippo. Again, that's a lot to say that. But faith comes from hearing. And they want to go preach that so that more people can be saved. They want to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to Everyone believing that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. They know that the Bible is the word of God and it is truth. And in these little places around Panama where we're working, every once in a while, sometimes, frequently, people hear the gospel, they respond. And they get out there, even if there are alligators, whether actually crocodiles in Panama, they get out there and they submit to the command of Christ Jesus, and they're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Lord adds them to the church. He's adding still to the church daily those who are being saved. God is good. He is merciful. And Greg and I can't wait to get back there. We have a blast. Yeah, and, and yeah, we, we, we get sick. We can't stay out there as long as they do, but we love this. It's not a chore for us to be there. It's not, it's physically difficult. Yeah, but it's a joy to be involved in kingdom work in knowing that your efforts can result in people being saved, in their eternal destiny being changed. People who, because of their own choices and their own sins, were separated from God, without hope, without citizenship, without the promises, without Christ, without forgiveness, hear the gospel and have eternal life. I was um, having coffee with Brother Jerry, Jerry King, last week, and the topic came up of materialism and the materialism of even Christians. And I was reminded of this verse that Paul wrote to Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content. It's hard for Americans to be content. Even in decline financially over the last couple of years. We're still the richest country in the world. We still experience the highest level of luxury of any place in the world. But we need to be reminded that Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." You know, God has blessed us and we like our things, but things bring burdens. When you have things, you're thinking about your things. Got to clean your things. Got to keep them clean. The more things you have, the more things you got to clean. Clean. When we, were in Panama, <laughs> when we were in Panama, our biggest problem was rust. I bought one of those little Weber grills, and in a year, the legs had rusted out, and it fell to the ground. I'm thankful that we're not dealing with rust here like that, but everything we see is going away. It's all going to burn up when Christ comes back. Peter said, "The elements are going to melt in the fervent heat. It's all going to be destroyed." And he said, "Therefore, what kind of lives should we live? What kind of people ought we to be, knowing that everything is going to be destroyed like this? Not only do we have to take care of those things and clean those things and keep the rust off, we've got to worry about people stealing them. We're always locking our doors and making sure it's locked. You leave the house? Did you lock the door? Did you? Lock? Is the garage locked down? Some places you're in your house at home seated and you're saying, is the door locked? Someone might want to break in and take what we have. The more possessions you have, the more worries you have. And that's why Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures here where it's all rusting anyway and someone can steal it. Store up for yourselves treasures where the elements can't affect it and there are no thieves. How do you do that? You invest in God's kingdom. Invest in God's kingdom. Materialism is a, just a ball and chain around the legs of the church and around the legs of the, of the Christian I know there were supposed to be some more verses on there. There's a, I do wanna share with you something. I don't don't have the verses up there. I thought I had put some in. I can go as long as I want. I know it's 12 o'clock, my phone tells me so. I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew 11, chapter 12, to look at a peculiar verse we're going to, I'm going to read it first from the English Standard Version, which is a fabulous literal translation, and the best one I've found. Matthew 11:12. Pastor Branner, are you getting worried that I'm going too long? I'm all right? Okay. He says, I already said it, so I can't take it back. All right. From the days of John, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. It's a strange rendering of that was reading MacArthur's notes and he says the sense of the verse may be rendered this way the kingdom presses ahead relentlessly and only the relentless press their way into it and that accords with Luke's words quoting Jesus go to Luke 16 we're going to read verse 16 the idea of relentlessly pressing ahead, the kingdom relentlessly moving forward and relentlessly pressing into it. Luke sixteen sixteen, where Jesus says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. Forces his way into it. Going back to Matthew eleven twelve, 12, the 1984 edition of the New International Version says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. This is not a passive approach to Christianity and participation in the kingdom. It's an aggressive approach. God wants us to aggressively, relentlessly move into his kingdom. And what does that mean? Into his will. Let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and conquer more and more ground for the kingdom. Reclaim more and more souls for our Lord Jesus Christ relentless. You see in that idea a passion, a fervor that many of us lack. Many times I lack it. I'll tell you, getting your health just knocked out from under you, when you feel like you're strong and you're going to be strong forever, that can shake you up and help you refocus on what's most important. We're not going to be here very long. Well, Pastor Payne, I'm pretty young. You're not going to be here very long, people in your 20s, 30s, 40s. The Bible compares our lifespan on earth with a vapor, with a mist, with a smoke, with plants and flowers that look pretty right now, but pretty soon they're dry and dead. Going back to the ground. And the Bible tells us that one day the soul will return to God who gave it. We need to be relentless about the kingdom. We need to be pushing forward the kingdom of God and taking the gospel into all the world. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying this to imply you need to give more money to Panama Mission Foundation. Well, while I wish you would, that's not my point. My point is God's kingdom work is happening all over the world, but Christians are materialistic. Our things mean too much for us, we have too many things, and what we are relentless about most, many times are our hobbies. We're here for one reason. To prepare those around us to meet their creator. Whether it be your child, your friends, your relatives, or the person you have never bothered to talk to who lives across the street. Be relentless. Yes, give more money to missions. Find one that you can. Feel good about supporting and give. Give regularly so those missionaries can budget and count on your gifts. Do that without taking away from the contribution you give to the church. Give more to the local church so that the local church can do more here. The kingdom of God should advance everywhere, but it has to start in your heart and it has to start in your mind. Be relentless. For Jesus, he relentlessly went to the cross and he would not be dissuaded. His disciples tried to stop him from going to the cross. Passionately, they begged him to change his course, but he would not be dissuaded to die for you. Let us be relentless in regard to the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being merciful. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for our sins, and we confess we are unworthy. We are sinners who need your mercy, who need your grace. And God... We thank you that through Christ Jesus and through faith we have received mercy, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. Lord God, help us to count this as a precious gift, a precious and holy gift, but a gift that is to be shared, a gift that must be shared. And help us, Lord God, to relentlessly push the gospel into all corners of the earth to your glory. We pray this, Lord God, give us courage, give us boldness, and help us to be focused more on you and less on ourselves. We pray in Christ's holy and precious name, amen.